I'm Mike Winters with A&W Cattle in Pattonville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another episode of Texas Ag Today loaded and ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, is our cotton crop getting bigger? That really doesn't sound right, but in the most recent USDA supply and demand report, they actually reported an increase in cotton production, but there's a little more to it than that. We'll talk about that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's more than one way to sell cattle. And for feed yards in the Texas High Plains, that's good news because the cash market's been pretty tough lately. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. U.S. cotton produced sustainably offers American producers additional world market access. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I will have that report on Texas Ag Today. It seems cropping choices for the rolling plains used to be simpler. Fall is coming, service up the grain drill. But now a producer has to look at all the options. Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest U.S. cotton crop estimate from USDA actually increased the size of this year's crop. Now, that does sound a bit puzzling, given the massive cut in cotton acreage here in Texas due to drought. But you do have to consider what USDA did a month ago. In their August crop production estimate, they cut U.S. cotton acreage by 3 million acres. And now they're making adjustments to that unprecedented cut. Dr. Jody Campici is Vice President of Economics and Policy Analysis for the National Cotton Council. USDA increased U.S. production to 13.8 million bales, which is 1.3 million bales higher than last month. While many were anticipating an increase, particularly based on higher acreage reported on the FSA Certified Acreage Report, most were not expecting the increase to be as large. USDA increased planted acreage by 1.3 million and harvested acreage by almost 750,000. With continued drought concerns in the Southwest, along with weather issues in other regions, it's still too early to determine the actual size of the crop. Campeche says U.S. ending stocks are projected to be at the lowest level since 2014. The new wheat crop is going in the ground here in Texas, but wheat seed is in short supply. Ockletree County agent Scott Strawn says most producers have saved seed from last year's crop, but with a short crop, it was tough to save enough. Well, first of all, you're correct with the wheat crop in Texas in general being below average, and a lot of producers weren't even able to cut enough to even save seed for the next year. So there is a shortage of seed of certain varieties. Now, 
I do believe there's going to be enough seed for producers to plant, but they might not get the varieties that they really want to plant. So that sometimes can affect bottom lines because then you start going into varieties that might not yield as well. Strawn says wheat started going into the ground in his area about a month ago in an attempt to produce wheat pasture for cattle. Corn prices are expected to stay strong as supplies are tightening. USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekodowski says they're expecting U.S. corn production to drop. Production this month was reduced by 415 million bushels. So now it's currently forecast at 13.9 billion bushels. Uh, Year over year, that would be down about 1.2 billion bushels. That's about an 8% reduction compared to last year. And as those supplies tighten, corn prices are rising. USDA now projecting a season average price for corn of $6.75 a bushel. That's 80 cents higher than last year's average price. There is more than one way to sell cattle, and James Hunt tells us that's good news for feedlots in the Texas panhandle. For the past few months, each time we've checked in with Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association, it's been his unhappy job to report some negative outcomes when it comes to sales by TCFA member feed yards. And unfortunately, at $1.42 a pound, it was tough going for fed cattle sales last week. At a $1.42 last week, you're looking at a negative break-even on a cash basis of $100 roughly. And that's for cattle going out. And then as cattle go out, typically we want to replace those cattle coming back into the yard. And those are coming in at about $100 loss as well on a cash basis. Those $100 losses Miller refers to are on a per-head average. It's also important to understand that Miller is describing the general outcome of transactions done strictly on a cash or spot market basis. Miller says most feed yards in our area actually sell their cattle to packers under other types of arrangements. It's going to have something that has premiums and discounts tied to it. It could be a grid, it could be a formula, it could be forward contracts, it could be some other type of trade other than just cash. So we're heavy on something other other than just cash. We do run about 10 to 15 percent cash trade on a weekly basis. Miller says a lot of cattle feeders also use the futures markets to hedge their cattle. So with all of these alternative routes to go, area feed yards do have ways to find profitability even under challenging market conditions. Not all cattle are positive gainers. Not all cattle are what I'd call a winner. But on average, overall, they typically are positive on the profit side. More from Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Partnership for Sustainable Textiles has recognized the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol as a standard for sustainable cotton. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Dr. Andy Jordan. He is an advisor for the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. And uh, Dr. Jordan, what is the significance of the protocol being uh, recognized by the Partnership for Sustainable Textiles? It gives us access to markets that we did not have otherwise. The background there, the the German government, they began to set standards for textiles being sold in Germany. Primarily, the initiative was to uh, be sure that the workers in the garment mills and textile mills were treated fairly. But it, it extends beyond that to not only the workers in the textile mills, but also to the environmental and social standards of their supply. 
the raw materials going into those plants, and cotton is very important part of those raw materials. Uh, even though the the cotton may have been spun in Vietnam and transferred to a spinner in Cambodia and to a fabric into Bangladesh and sold as a final garment in Germany. So uh, these standards, they go across the entire supply chain and they go deep into uh, uh, every aspect of the supply chain from manufacturing, farming, and, and marketing. So be, having access to the German market, which means access to the rest of the European market, is extremely important. That again is Dr. Andy Jordan. He is an advisor for the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cropping choices on the Texas Rolling Plains have gotten a bit more complicated recently. That's the take from Barry Mahler in the Wichita Falls area. With at least some relief from the drought and hot weather across the Rolling Plains, the discussion turns to where do we go from here? Fall is approaching, and for some, that means service up the grain drills and sow wheat. And there's a little of that going on for people who want to raise fall and winter forage for their cow herd. But there seems to be a little more discussion this year as to what the options are. There are several reasons for a little more planting this year than normal, including the weather. Most droughts are not broken with a single rain event, and even though conditions are much better in some parts of the rolling plains, it's still marginal in others, and looking at several long-range weather reports, including the tracking of El Nino and La Nina, well, let's just say that although producers' attitudes are more positive than, say, in early August, there's still lots of questions out there. I've talked to producers who consider holding back ground for cotton next spring due to the fact that the pattern shows switching from a dry La Nina episode that isn't expected to taper off until next spring when a more favorable El Nino pattern picks up in April and May. Now, I know to some that leans toward voodoo science, but the history's not bad, and with input costs still high, people are looking at all options. Fertilizer prices have eased some, but still is quite expensive compared to historic averages, and market expectations play into the decision as well. Right now, cash wheat is traded in the low $8 per bushel range, with input costs still historically high, and the break-even is higher than usual. I try to look at the gurus of the market for predictions, including Kim Anderson from Oklahoma State. In his latest writings, he thinks that the earlier prediction of a market supporting 1050 wheat is too high. He's not totally bearish, though, thinking that supply and demand could support wheat in the $9 to $10 bushel range. But if the market has successfully factored in the Russian-Ukraine situation for production and exports, $9 to $10 wheat may be a reality, but that doesn't represent much of a profit for wheat producers. So, as usual for agriculture, answering one question brings up 10 more. At some point, you make a plan and execute it the best you can, and that part of the industry hasn't changed much in all the time I've been watching it. I'm Barry Muller reporting from the Rolling Plains for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Wildlife Association is now accepting applications for its adult learn-to-hunt program. I'm Jessica Dulmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And skin tumors in horses are very difficult to treat. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Skin tumors in horses are very difficult to treat. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. If you have a horse with a skin tumor, it is likely a sarcoid, and this can be good and bad. It is good because sarcoids are not malignant and do not metastasize to other organs, so do not affect the overall health of the horse. The bad part is that these tumors can be very difficult to treat depending on the location of the tumor. Many of these tumors occur around the eyelids, face, and ears and can cause pain and inflammation of these areas, which causes the horse to be uncomfortable. It is believed that sarcoids are caused by the bovine papillomavirus, which is transmitted by flies from cattle or other infected horses. And this is unusual for a virus, as most viruses are host-specific. For example, cattle viruses do not generally infect horses or other animals, but this is not always the case, as with COVID-19 in humans, as it has infected several species of animals. The disease is reported to be heritable, as the heritability component of the disease has been documented, at least in warm bloods, and some breeds are more likely to develop sarcoids than others. Treatment options for sarcoids are numerous, and if the sarcoid is small and not causing an issue, Sometimes just not treating is the best option. Treating these sarcoids with surgery is the easiest method of treating the tumor if they are in an area that surgery can be performed. However, sometimes surgery aggravates the tumor site and causes a larger tumor to regrow at the incision. So surgery is not always the best option. Laser surgery and radiotherapy is a safer option that leads to less risk for the horse. Injecting the tumors with chemotherapy is also a possibility. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Wildlife Association is now accepting applications for its adult learn-to-hunt program. Jessica Domel tells more in today's Wildlife Report. Are you interested in learning how to hunt? The Texas Wildlife Association is now taking applications from adults who are interested in learning how to hunt in a safe, educational, and mentored environment through the Adult Learn to Hunt program. Dr. Matt Hughes, director of the program, says the goal is to teach hunting skills and broaden adults' understanding of how hunting can play a part of a conservation plan. During their weekend hunt, hunters will receive firearms training, will learn about firearm safety and shot placement. They'll also learn valuable skills related to skinning, butchering, and cooking the wild game that they've bagged. Our application is open now. You can find that on the Texas Wildlife Association's website underneath the Hunting Heritage tab. You'll see that underneath that tab, there's going to be an adult learn to hunt program section. And that's where you know, you'll find the application and more information about the program at large. That's kind of a rolling application so people can fill that out and apply anytime between now and the end of hunting season, which for us is probably going to be like February 28th. Hunters who are not selected for a hunt this year are encouraged to apply again next year. When they apply, they do not have to be a Texas Wildlife Association member. They do not have to have hunter's education done, and they don't have to have their license. However, 
they do need to have all three of those things completed by the time they do participate in a hunt. So that's why we try and give them a month to finish hunter education, acquire a hunting license, and pay for their Texas Wildlife Association membership. You can apply on the Texas Wildlife Association's website. That's texas-wildlife.org. Texas-wildlife.org. Click on the link that says Program Areas and then Adult Learn to Hunt Program. Again, that's at texas-wildlife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to look at the market. So just how did things wrap up in Tuesday's trade? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle closed mostly higher on Tuesday on strong demand. Analysts say the price is staying near seven-year highs. October live cattle up 57 cents to 146.30. December live cattle up 17 cents to 151.07. Double-digit increases in the corn markets on Tuesday forced fed cattle prices lower. September feeder cattle down $1.15 to 178.80. October feeder cattle down $2.27 to 180.02. Box beef was mixed. Choice down $0.60. 61 cents to $251.84. Select up $1.82 to $227.71. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. Welcome to Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron sells on Friday. I speak to him on Monday. Kenny, how was that Friday sale? We had a total of 2,024. Out of that mix, we had about 400 cows. Let's walk those pens. Yes, sir. With the steers under 300, a dollar fifty to two thirty. Three to four hundred pound steers, one thirty nine to two eighteen. Four to five hundred pound steers, one hundred six to two fifteen. And over five hundred eighty to one eighty five. On the heifers under three hundred, one thirty to two dollars. Three to four hundred pound heifers, one eleven to one ninety eight. Four to five hundred pound heifers, a dollar to one eighty one. And over five hundred seventy to one sixty four. On the Packer cows, they took a little money off of them from forty to eighty eight. Packer bulls seventy to one oh nine. You know we. Made and we had a few good stalker cows scattered through this thing, Larry, and, and we did. Uh, stalker cows bring from 250 to 1375 on the breads and nine and a quarter to 1800 on the pairs. Good. Now, what do we anticipate this next week? Well, I've got one little set of cows. I think we're going to get Wednesday. Be 15 or 20 pairs on those. You know, right now, the phone's been a little quiet, uh, but I think that this market on the calf deal is just a little bit softer. I don't know if they'll just keep bringing them as fast as they were, but uh, it's kind of the time of year where they're getting ready to sell cattle. Everybody's kind of talking about it getting dry. 
ride again. So yep. we could have a pretty good run like we did last week, but I just don't know of a lot of it right off the top of my head yet. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next Friday sale, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Just catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at milemcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Thank you so much and good day. Demand for lean hogs is strong, but there is some concern that the Federal Reserve will increase interest rates this week. That led lean hogs to close mixed. October lean hogs down 50 cents to 95.97. December lean hogs up 2 cents to 88.17. Block cheese was steady Tuesday at $2.05. Barrel cheese up 6 and 3 quarter cents to $2.17. September class 3 milk up a penny to 19.91. October class three milk up 42 cents to 21.96 a hundred weight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton markets on Tuesday as traders await the Fed's announcement. The dollar is also at a 20 year high right now and there are fears in the market that that will hurt cotton exports. December cotton down 271 points to 93.33. March cotton down 260 points to 90.45. December 2023 cotton down 123 points to 78.36. As I mentioned earlier, corn was higher on Tuesday. December corn up 13 and three quarters to 692 even. March 2023 corn up 13 and one quarter to 696 and three quarters. September 2023 corn up 10 and a quarter to 645 and a half. December hard red wheat up 53 and a quarter to 963. March 2023 hard red wheat up 51 and a half to 959 and a half. July 2023 hard red wheat up 46 to 944 and a half. October natural gas down 2 cents to 772. November natural gas down 2 cents to 778. October crude oil down a dollar fifty-four to eighty-four nineteen a barrel. November crude oil down a dollar forty-three to eighty-three ninety-three a barrel. The Dow down three hundred and seventy-six to thirty thousand six hundred and forty-two. The S and P five hundred down forty-five points to three thousand eight hundred and fifty-three. The Nasdaq down hundred and six points to eleven thousand four hundred and twenty-eight. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to tune in next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.